Welcome to the IC Disc Show. Interviews with business owners, industry leaders, and tax experts sharing how the IC Disc can benefit your bottom line profits. Check out the show notes at ic-discshow.com. This show is brought to you by the IC Disc Alliance. Discover how the premier IC Disc consulting firms support you at ic-disc.com. And by your podcast team, where having your own podcast is as easy as being a guest on ours. Find out more at yourpodcast.team. Now, here's your host, Dave Spray. Hi, this is David Spray, and welcome to another episode of the IC Disc Show. This episode is particularly exciting for me because I'm pleased to announce the formation of the IC Disc Alliance. And the IC Disc Alliance is formed from two founding members, export advisors and WTP advisors. And so today I have two special guests. I have the, the two gentlemen who run WTP advisors, and I'd like to introduce them and, and just get a little more of their backstory. So the first is Jim Fury. Are you there, Jim? I'm here, Dave. And Brian Schwamm. Are you there, Brian? I'm here as well, Dave. Awesome. So let's go ahead and let's just talk about a bit of uh, your background for each of you, just so our listeners have a sense of kind of who you guys are. So let's start with Jim. So Jim, where are you uh, connecting from today? You someplace nice and warm here in January? Of course. Yeah, Fargo, North Dakota is always beautiful this time of January. So okay. I think we we are above zero. We are twenty seven degrees, so that's actually a, a balmy temperature for this time of year. That's that's great. Now, are you a North Dakota native? <laughs> kind of. My dad was in the Air Force, so we moved around a lot. So we ended up settling down here once okay. we had my wife and I had kids. Uh, good place to raise kids. Not a good place to be in the winter. Yeah, understood. So did you end up uh, going to college then in North Dakota? I went to the University of Iowa. I, I was in the Air Force as well. So I was. Oh, at, okay. I joined the Air, uh, Air Force out of high school, enlisted, kind of traveled around to a couple different bases, and then got a special duty assignment at the University of Iowa. And so it kind of went full-time Air Force and full-time college. So it was a lot of work, but you know, in the end, got a you know, great place to go to school and big Hawkeye fan. Okay. Well, that is great. And then, so you graduated from uh, the University of Iowa, you said? That's not correct. Iowa, yeah, not Iowa State. Yeah, University of Iowa. Iowa State. And I guess, what, what was your degree in? Uh, accounting degree. Okay. And then where did you, did you find gainful employment then after you graduated? I did. Yeah. Went to one of the big four up in Minneapolis and spent about five, five years up there. Okay. Uh, and what kind of stuff four. did you, were you doing there? Were you an audit or tax guy? Or so tax guy doing uh, export incentives, a uh, thing called the foreign sales corporation. So it was kind of, uh, oh, we were doing big foreign sales corporation redeterminations for, you know, okay. probably like the largest manufacturers I'd say in the world at the time. And so we had these teams formed and I actually wrote the software we we're using. Oh, wow. At, yeah. Okay, so you're there then, and that software is related to the foreign sales corporations? Yeah, foreign sales corporations, I think called the extraterritorial income exclusion, which came after FISC got challenged by the World Trade Organization, and then also the IC disc. And that's kind of the parlay into the disc world. 
Okay. So you were uh, at, at that big four firm for what, a number of years? Yeah, about five years. Okay. And then uh, what prompted you to, to want to leave? They wanted me to sign a non-compete and <laughs> okay. I was able to, I knew I was able to do something that only a handful of people in the country knew how to do. And so that's why I left. Um, so they kind of, and, they kind of forced knew, your hand. Yeah, they forced my hand. And I knew at the time they were focusing on the largest companies and the middle, you know, all the middle companies, the middle market companies were being kind of left out. So I thought there was a good opportunity to help bring kind of, you know, the big four value to middle market companies. Okay. You know, which, which was and, kind of boiled up in that algorithm. Okay. And then, so while you were there, I guess you uh, learned to use some, some software or were you involved in uh, creating any of that? So what had happened is it was created, you know, so it was built by their IT group. And when the tax law changed, they didn't want to invest in the IT group making the change. And so they asked me to, to do it. So I did it and I rewrote the whole thing. from Basically, I rewrote, there were some issues with it from a performance standpoint. So I went through every single nook and cranny and rewrote the software. Oh, um, wow. So that's so how, that, yeah. Yeah. So that's, so then, um, so then when you, so it sounds like you saw this opportunity in the mid market, you recognized your skill set was unique. So you wanted to go, you know, be involved in launching your own venture. But I guess you were out of luck because I'm guessing they didn't license their software to you, did they? That, that's correct. They did so not boy, license what, it. What, what did you do? Did you find some off-the-shelf software to buy? or I rewrote it. I took six months and rewrote it from scratch. Oh, wow. Yeah. Which was a little nerve-wracking because I had a uh, newborn at the time and my wife had just gotten laid off. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> yeah. So, so it was a bit nerve-wracking. Yeah. So you found out if you were really an entrepreneur or not at that True. time. That, it, absolutely. So you rewrote the software. And then just out of curiosity, 15 years ago, I think that you left the big four firm. It was actually, it was right after, it was September 15th of 2001. Okay. Right so after seven, September 11th. Okay. So a couple decades ago. Yeah. And then yeah. you know what they ever ended up doing for software? I mean, did they have to get some new software after you left or did they uh, still use it? Or They still use it. They still use huh. it. To the best of yeah. your knowledge, they still use it, huh? They do. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I guess Shakespeare's quote about the evil that men do live after them and the good <laughs> is interred with their bones did not apply yeah. to you. Apparently right. you left some good around. Okay, so that's great. And you saw a uh, this opportunity. You rewrote the code, and uh, and you're a CPA as well, correct? That's correct. Okay, so that kind of brings us relatively current. So now let's talk. Let's get uh, Brian's story. So Brian, where are you calling in from? I'm in sunny, relatively warm Florida, where it's 61 balmy degrees this morning. It was in the 40s earlier. So very cold for us. Okay. So now are you a Florida native? I am not a Florida native. I spent many years and decades in the state of Wisconsin. Okay. And then where did you go to college? In Wisconsin also? I did. I, I attended the University of Wisconsin and received a degree in accounting. 
And then because Madison, Wisconsin is such a fun place, I then decided to go right to law school and got my law degree at the University of Wisconsin before uh, doing anything else with my life. Okay. So if, you're, if you've been in Wisconsin most of your life, is it safe to assume what NFL football team you root for? Very safe. Um, Packer fan through and through. They won the Super Bowl, the very first one when I was five years old, and I was hooked forever. Awesome. Awesome. So you graduated, and did you also find some gainful employment after law school? I did. I joined the Big Four, uh, Big Four accounting firm in the Milwaukee office, a firm that uh, a few years later merged with another firm and became much a much larger firm and a much larger office. Okay. And how long then were you in, in the Big Four uh, public accounting arena? I, I spent a total of 18 years in the Big Four public accounting sphere or arena. Yeah. Okay. So you were you hung on a, a bit longer than Jim did. Yeah, and my experience was probably different than Jim's. It sounds like Jim, well, Jim was a specialist the entire time that he was in the Big Four. I started out as a generalist and did you know all different sorts of tax work. I was never an auditor, but always in tax and did did many different types of tax work for many different types of clients, uh, large and small. And then after about five years uh, into my stint, I was asked to specialize. I was asked to choose what I wanted to specialize in, and I chose international tax. So I thought it would be much more interesting than state and local tax. So that's what I chose. And I was immersed into the international tax world in a a very fun experience, a six-week training uh, session in the state of Florida at the Dodgertown facility in Vero Beach, which was an interesting experience. And from that point forward, I was a generalist. And then I would say about four or five years after that, I was asked to, in addition to being an international tax generalist, also lead an export incentive practice in the foreign sales corporation, and then later on the extraterritorial income exclusion areas. And also IC disc. I saw my first IC disc in 1987. Just FYI. Okay. So, so the, one of the things you and Jim share is you both were in public accounting. You both had a lot of international tax experience, but you were more on the tax technical side, I guess I would say. And Jim was more on the technology software side. Yeah. So even though I was supervising and running an export incentive practice, probably unlike Jim, I couldn't go in and run calculations. I could review what other people were doing and I could understand what they were doing with the softwares and the other uh, technology tools, but I couldn't physically do it, but I understood it. So I was a little bit unique in that regard. And in fact, I have a funny story for you. At one point during my time running a practice, we were trying to sell a project to a very large manufacturing company located in Wisconsin. And they were already using another big four firm to calculate their export incentive, which at the time was the foreign sales corporation. And so they gave us all their data. I had my team run the data. We came back for a meeting and on, you know, without knowing what the number was going to be, 
I walk into the room and there sits Jim Fury and another one of my partners, now David Wayne, because they were doing the work for the company. And I walk in the room, we disclose our number, they disclose their number. I think they were within what, $1 of each other, Jim? Yeah, yeah, it was within, it was basically the difference was rounding on all the transactions. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, pretty much proof that software is software. And, uh, but that, at that point, I realized there were other people in the world that could do this as well as I could do it. And Jim and Dave were, were two of those people. So, so originally you all were in a competitive situation with mm-hmm. one another. Yeah. We, we called it a bake-off. Uh, yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure. And it's something I think none of us will ever forget, but it's kind of a unique story and, and, and a funny story as well. No, I love it. So then you what prompted you to to see greener pastures outside the big four? Well, that's a good question. And it's and it's got a couple of uh layers of answers. You know, the first layer really is Sarbanes-Oxley and the passage of that law. It made it in my mind very difficult to operate in a tax environment in the big four and, and sell work to your clients or to prospects. The, the process of getting a, a client approved was like unruly in my opinion. And so I felt like and my hands were somewhat tied behind my back and I, I couldn't really do what I felt like I could do. The other thing is I spent much of my career not focused on the largest of companies like like Jim mentioned earlier that he did but I really focused on the middle market okay and when I left I immediately contacted a CPA that I knew a firm that I knew of and and the president of that firm had been the managing partner in one of the offices that I had worked in and immediately he's like, oh, let's get together. I think we can use you. So I realized at that point in time, because I didn't really realize it before, quite honestly, that there's a whole world of companies out there that need the expertise that I can provide, mm-hmm. but they don't have anybody to provide it to them. And they can't afford the big four. They can't afford the large law firms. So what I found was there's a niche out there for someone with big four experience and knowledge that can bring that to the whole rest of the world. And I think Jim mentioned something similar to that before as well, but I think that's something else we share in common is we realize that vision like immediately. Okay. And then, and then at some point you, Jim and Dave Wayne teamed up. Is that right? That is correct. That is correct. Not long after leaving the big four, the situation that I was in was no longer a viable situation. My partner decided to re-enter public accounting, something I did not want to do. Mm-hmm. And as a result, I reached out to Jim and Dave and said, hey, how can we work together and continue to be this independent, flexible, nimble provider to the middle market? And how can we do that together? Okay. Well, that's, um, that's, that's great. Well, thank you for that background. And then just to give the listeners to kind of uh, close the circle, I came to know of uh, Jim and Brian and Dave at a ASCPA conference, you know, more than a decade ago. 
And what I discovered was that I didn't realize there was a detailed or a, a deep expertise in IC disk because in my career in the IC disk space, it was mostly in a business development capacity with a number of firms. And I realized after I met you guys that those firms I was with were really just generalists. They really weren't specialists in the IC disk. And I had a particularly challenging situation that I reached out to, to Brian on and he was able to answer the question in like two minutes and he was able to do some correction of the work and really uh, save the day. And so that really kind of opened my eyes to the benefits of uh, specialists. And then the other eye opener on specialists was Neil Block, who you both know, who recently retired from Baker and McKinsey, who was a guest on the show twice. And uh, I mentioned this when I was talking to Neil. Neil told me a great story about specialists. So I called him one day with a question and he answered it in like two minutes. And then he starts chatting with me about the weather and his grandkids and, you know, whatnot. And at the time, I think his billing rate was like $1,300 an hour. So I'm like, hey, Neil, you're costing me like $30 a minute or something. And, you know, can, you know, no offense, but, you know, can we, can we wrap this up? And he said, Dave, okay, I'll turn the, the meter off. He said, but I'm going to teach you a very valuable lesson in professional services. Specialists cost more per hour, but they're always cheaper in the long run. And I'm like, okay, explain. He goes, so the question you called me about that I answered in two minutes, he said, I knew that answer because somebody else had paid me $10,000 years ago to spend dozens of hours to come up with the answer. And that's why I knew it off the top of my head. And that really resonated with me and I never forgot it. And that's, you know, a lot of the, of the appeal that I saw with working with you all was that, that deep specialization. So, and similar with you all, you know, to start with, we were, you know, somewhat competitors and, and kind of came across you guys, but in a similar way, we, I saw synergies there and my background was really more focused on the business development and client experience aspect from ensuring you know the client had the best experience to ensuring that the, the just the whole experience from the fee structure to uh, responsiveness was really just top notch. So that brings us to why we decided to kind of uh, formalize our relationship by forming the the IC Disc Alliance. What I've given a bit of a sense about why there was some appeal to me of working more closely with you guys. But Brian, what about from your end? What was uh, what was attractive to you about the IC Disc Alliance? What were your thoughts on it? My thoughts are are pretty pretty black and white and pretty clear. And I'm going to put it in some mathematical terms uh, because the, the disc is all about math in many ways. I joined the IC Disc Alliance simply because one plus one equals six. Now, let me explain that because that's not good math, right? Sure. In the marketplace, there are many firms that dabble in the disc area. And dabbling is dangerous. When one dabbles, one plus one often doesn't equal three. It equals something less than three because Mm -hmm. something isn't being done correctly. And Mm -hmm. that's a problem. 
the, the IC Disc Alliance combines the best practices in technology, tax technical abilities, and practice management into one single place. And when these are combined and the whole exceeds the sum of the parts, hence one plus one equals six, then I think everyone benefits. Being a part of that is both rewarding and exciting to me, Dave. And that's why I decided it was a, a great idea to, to form and join the IC Disc Alliance. Oh, that's uh, very well said. Did you have anything you wanted to add to that, Jim? Or No, I think Brian uh, hit out the park. That's, I agree 100%. Okay. I, I appreciate, what, what's the opposite of verbose? Succinct. I appreciate succinctness. <laughs> it took me a hundred words to say succinct. Okay. So, so what do you think? So I, I appreciate you sharing kind of the motivation for you all individually and your firm to be part of the Alliance, but what do you think the benefits will be to, to other CPA firms, clients, other professionals? Why don't you take a shot at that, Brian? How do you see the benefits kind of to the other players in the space? Okay, sure. Uh, oh, you mean there's benefits to someone other than myself? Okay. <laughs> yeah, Obviously, yeah. that's the case, or we wouldn't be talking about this. And it might sound strange to people, but I don't really care what the benefit is for me necessarily, because I've been in the client service business a long time, and the rewards I get out of this are not what, like, well, how is this good for me? It's really helping clients save taxes, successfully save taxes. And just get a good, warm, fuzzy feeling when I help a client solve a problem. Mm -hmm. And so I think your question is very valid because really that's why I've been in this business as long as I have. And uh, maybe others share that same altruistic feeling. But for me, it's really more about not me. It's more about everybody else. And so... Your question about what's what do I think the benefits are to CPAs, clients, and other DISC specialists because of the alliance? I mean, this is what's most exciting to me about the alliance. Okay. Um, okay. And as someone who does a great deal of DISC-related work, I'm amazed at the amount of missed opportunities that I see for greater DISC savings as well as the amount of IC disc-related tax exposure when I review a disc computation and or a disc return that's been done by another provider. Mm -hmm. And so that's very concerning to me and kind of gets my juices flowing, so to speak. Mm -hmm. You know, the disc provides a very valuable and powerful and permanent tax savings opportunity for exporters when the savings are optimized. However, there are a slew of draconian rules that were passed uh, in the dark ages, 1972, that need to be followed. And if you don't follow them, you know, all your savings can be at risk, which is a bad situation to be in for a client, a CPA, or anybody for that matter. Mm -hmm. And so when a client doesn't realize all the tax savings that are available to them, or when a client is realizing tax savings that they can't sustain due to a number of factors, including calculation errors, calculation limits, omissions, or misinterpretation of the statutes and the regulations, it's extremely concerning to me. You know, so the centralization of the technology, the tax technical and the practice management 
within the alliance should allow clients to achieve larger sustainable tax savings than they otherwise can. And the key word there is sustainable. I mean, mm-hmm. you can probably calculate a disc commission and a tax savings, which looks extremely attractive by not following the rules, by not understanding the rules and doing what you think the rules say without really understanding them. And, and that's a problem. Mm-hmm. And I don't like to see that situation, both for the provider and for the client. And I think, you know, in our situation, we don't see those things happen. We've sustained, and sustained is a big word here. We've sustained well over half a billion dollars of tax savings for clients over the years. And and when I say we, I mean the members of the alliance. Okay. When you you say sustained, does that mean that, you know, some of these uh, IC discs have been audited over time? Oh, yeah. Some have been audited. Some have been, you know, the calculations have been audited. We had a situation where we were asked to redetermine a number because of an audit. And when we provided the results, the IRS uh, examined the results and essentially blessed our calculation methods and our software. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we can boast, and I will boast, we can boast that our software has been endorsed by the IRS. And our methods have been endorsed by the IRS. So that's a good feeling and also should give a client or any other provider a feeling of of real safety in working with us because we're not going to compute some unsustainable number just to get you someone a tax savings that they have to pay back later. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, that's what I always say is, you know, the client might love the number, but if the number is not sustained and they're going to, you know, hate paying it back a lot worse than they like the number in the beginning. You know, yeah, that's, I think, because I think when you pay it back, each dollar is worth two. Probably. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so that's why it's exciting to me with respect to clients. Now let's talk a little bit about how it could be beneficial to a CPA firm. Yeah. And it really it takes a, a large investment in technology as Jim has done over the years, and human capital to operate a robust and efficient ICDIS practice. Most local and regional CPA firms just don't have the ability to make those investments. And I think in 2022, especially, they may have a hard time finding human capital to do run-of-the-mill tax work Mm -hmm. because the great resignation is affecting all different businesses and all different industries. So as a result, although they do their best, they leave tax savings opportunities on the table. They create exposures for their clients and likely mm-hmm. operate an unprofitable dispractice. And you know, we're all accountants. We like to make a profit on what we do. They can likely deploy their human capital much more efficiently and be more profitable, rather, you know, focusing on the things that they do all the time, mm-hmm. rather than trying to do a handful of disk returns each year internally. And we all know it's inefficient when you do something once or twice a year. No one is efficient at something they don't fully understand. And outsourcing the disk work to the disk alliance can actually make the CPA firm more profitable. They can enjoy a larger bottom line by doing so. And I think that's exciting to me 
for them. And I think it should be exciting to them. And for other ICDIS specialists that may not have the same level of expertise that the ICDISC Alliance possesses, by joining the Alliance, they will have access to best pra- the best practices we've just been talking about. Mm-hmm. So the bottom line is everyone benefits from the formation of this ICDISC Alliance. And it's, to me, that's extremely powerful and exciting. Now, I completely agree. Well, very well said, Brian. To help people have a sense of the scale, what, when you add the, all the work together, what do you, how many returns do you think we are collectively doing a year? How many IC disk returns? The number is somewhere between four and 500 per year. Yeah. And to the best, of, I'm not really aware of another firm or another group of firms that, that does more than that. Or if there are, there can't be very many uh, other firms. What, what do you think? I would agree with that. I'm not aware of anybody that comes anywhere close to that number. And then within that number, the number of transaction by transaction or T by T calculations that we do has to be, you know, greater than anybody else. Because almost all, you know, I would say 75% of what we do is transaction by transaction work. And then what about like, if we just kind of add up all the, the disk returns, how many do you think that adds up to amongst the alliance firms that we've done since inception? It's got to be somewhere greater than 10,000 mm-hmm. uh, over the years. And, you know, the amount of deductions claimed, obviously, if the tax savings mentioned earlier was four to 500,000, the tax, sa- the deductions claimed have been in the billions. Right. And, uh, you know, and, and that's not, we're not talking about taking those deductions on 10 or 20 companies. We're talking about affecting many exporters that are benefiting from the ICDIS program. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you said, I think you, you meant to say that the tax savings were four to 500 million. And you missed, I think you said four to 500,000. Oh yeah. My four mistake. To four yeah, to 500 million. I'm an attorney, Dave. I'm not a numbers guy. <laughs> So, and I, and the other thing I just wanted to touch on the very first client I had when I entered into this space was a referral from a CPA firm. It was a company here in Houston. And we did the extraterritorial income exclusion calculation and for this client. And at the time I was with a firm that also did R and D. In fact, they were more of an R and D specialist and they kind of dabbled in the disc. Yeah. Another example of that, uh, disc dabbling, I I guess. And I remember they were a relatively new company, a few years old, and we there were three shareholders and we got them like two hundred thousand dollars in refunds collectively. And I went and you know had kind of a celebratory lunch with them. And I was giving them a hard time like wondering where the new sports cars were in the parking lot, right? Because you know, as if they would take that windfall and go buy sports cars. And they informed me, no, no, they didn't do that. They spent the money on this overhead crane that could hold like 200 tons. And they didn't, they weren't willing to, they knew they needed the crane for a long time. They weren't willing to borrow the money because they didn't want to take on the debt. And they didn't really have enough excess cash to just pay cash for it. So this windfall paid for this overhead crane. And I remember I said, so how's it worked out? They said, well, we put it in three months ago. We had to hire 
three more people and it's already paid for itself after oh. three months. And so what I realized then was that I'm not really in the IC disc business. I'm really in the providing a useful capital infusion to the mm -hmm. heroes of our economy, the entrepreneurs that really take the risks, employ the people. And, and just like you talked about, I just found that to be immensely satisfying and to be, you know, some of these clients, I mean, I don't want to use the word hero per se, but I think for some of them, you know, you know, we're like a hero to them because the, you know, the magnitude of the value we've delivered. So, okay. Do you, this has been really useful. We've kind of covered the, the, oh, and then on the audit defense, I just wanted to be clear. So, you know, over 10,000 returns, you know, some number of those have been audited. You know, no one's perfect. I mean, have you all, I mean, certainly you haven't successfully defended every tax return that's been audited, have you? Oh, yes, we have. Oh, you have? Yeah, we've never lost a single dollar on exam or otherwise. Wow. And I'm very proud to say that so, over the years. So is it safe to assume that you want to keep that streak intact in, in the future? Oh, absolutely. So is it also absolutely. safe to assume then that you're going to ensure that every disk return that is signed is not going to jeopardize that perfect record? That's the goal. Okay. <laughs> That's certainly the goal. I think Jim shares that goal as well. Yeah, absolutely. So the because, other thing that, because if we don't do that, then we can no longer make that claim. And uh, it's important to us to be able to make that claim. Sure. No, I completely agree. The other thing I just wanted to touch on is we're kind of wrapping up here is you, know, you were talking about how you know a lot of firms dabble in the disc. And in my experience, and I'd like to get you and Jim's take on this, in my experience, a lot of times you know, a, a local CPA firm doesn't set out to have a disc practice. It seems like they end up with a disc practice. And it seems like what right. happens is the, you know, a client comes to them and says, hey, I heard about this thing called an IC disc. The CPA looks it up. They see that their tax software, their license has the forms to, to do the work. And they're like, sure, yeah, we can help you with this. And then, you know, maybe over time, they end up with two or three disc clients. And I think one of the reasons this happens is just because of the sheer numbers. And, and please correct me if your experience is different, but it seems to me that probably less than 1% of all U.S. businesses really are a candidate. When you consider that really for our clients, privately held, closely held, you know, exporting a U.S. product. So you just think about all the other businesses you deal with every day, the dry cleaner, the grocery store, the local restaurant, the hardware store, you know, none of these folks are candidates. So it seems like to me what happens is you have, you know, a CPA firm may have 400 corporate clients, but only three of them are fit for the disc. Is that kind of like, Jim, has that sort of been your experience too? Yeah, that's definitely the experience. And, and so over time, so back in, I don't know, 2007 or so, when disc kind of got started getting really hot, there were hardly any of them, right? And so we were out there, you know, kind of selling discs and making people aware of it. And 
over time, I think that's exactly what happened. You know, they saw it on a webinar or what have you, or heard about it from, you know, one of their, you know, one of their peers in the same industry. And so they set up a disc and they got it into place. But like you said, it's most firms that we see have like, you know, two or three, you know, two, three discs, you know, and, and like Brian said, you know, they touch it once a year. Mm-hmm. So. And they, and even if they don't really want a disc practice, if they don't know of the IC Disc Alliance, they feel kind of trapped because they don't want to refer it to like a large regional firm or a big four firm. They don't want to refer it to a competitor. And that's another good point there too. For CPA firms that refer us work, why should they not be concerned that we might try to take their 1040 in the corporate work and the state and local tax work. Brian, why don't you respond to that? Sure. Uh, well, the answer is pretty simple. We simply can't and we won't. You know, we are specialists. We specialize in the areas that we work on, which is IC disc. And, and I also do some international tax, but we're not capable of taking 1040 work or 1120 work or state and local work it's not even sort of, it's not on the radar. Let's put it that way. We have mm-hmm. no internal reason to want to go after that work uh, because it, it doesn't fit within what we do. We're a niche provider. There's a lot of power in being a niche provider. And we're also a trusted business partner. And if we say we're not going to go after somebody's you know other work, we're, we're not going to do that. And, well, if and we, we did, don't. we'd get fired, right? Because... We get fired sure. trying to do it because we do that work really bad. <laughs> right, right. Work. We wouldn't do a high quality. We wouldn't be able to say that uh, that we're you know one of the better providers in that area. We would be would uh, no run of the mill, and yeah. and and we don't want to be that, and we don't want to do that. We want to do what we do, and and we want to do what we do on a daily basis. We don't want to do yeah. anything that we don't want to do, and we don't want to do that other stuff. I know that's a little wordy, but th- the bottom line is. It's just not an issue. Sure. And then the for CPAs that want to uh, work with the IC Disc Alliance, I think we have several ways that we can support them, right? I mean, I think one option is just that if they want to just introduce us and just say to the client, hey, you know, this isn't really something. So maybe they don't have any IC Disc clients now. They have a client who they think is a fit and they could just make an introduction to us and the firm could just, and that client could just engage with us directly. Right. That would be one way. That's one option. Most definitely. And what are some Uh, of the other ways that, that, that we could support the, the, the CPA. Okay. Like, can we Uh, private label? Like, could we just do the work basically and let the CPA still own the engagement and sign the disc return? We can do that. We've, we have done that. We've done a number of different arrangements and we're frankly indifferent. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't care if we sign the return. We don't care if we prepare the return. We don't care if we are in the, completely in the background or working side by side in the, in the front row with the CPA with, with their client. We just don't care. What we do care about is that the return is done right and that the calculation is done right and the client achieves their tax savings and how that's accomplished. You know, as long as we're involved in some way, we, we don't really care how we're involved as long as we're involved. Yeah, and I can tell you every firm that we've that I've worked with that I've that we have 
you know, sort of taken over their disc practice. I mean, with their cooperation, I, I can't think of a single scenario where they ever regretted having done that. And they want to return to the days where they do two disc returns a year and don't make any money on it. Has that been your experience as well? Do the CPA firms who have small practices and choose to outsource that? Can you think of a case where they've regretted that decision? I can't think of a single one. No, no. Well, this has been great. So if anybody wants to reach out to us, we the new website is ic-disc.com, just like the way you see ic-disc everywhere with the hyphen. And if you need to reach out to us, it's info at ic-disc.com. And uh, this has really been fun, and it's been uh, uh, great to, to kind of kick off the relationship and the announcement with this. Was there anything else that you think we didn't cover? Why don't I let you go first, Jim? Anything we uh, didn't cover that you think we should have? I think, no, I think we did a pretty good job of covering everything. Yeah. I thought the, you know, the, the Zoom meeting or whatever covered everything very well. Great. <laughs> Not to duplicate. <laughs> so, Brian, how about you? Is there anything else that you, you want to add before we wrap up? I think I, I only want to stress that anyone listening to this should seriously consider reaching out to us because the, the IC Disc Alliance is something that will benefit you one way or another. Great. Oh, I did. I did think of one thing, Dave. Actually, okay, go um, ahead. Yeah. So, what one thing that I one real value I think of the IC Disc Alliance is that it allows providers such as ourselves or anyone else who ultimately becomes, let's say, involved with the alliance as a sort of lobbying mechanism as well. In mm, okay, uh, in, in for the IC Disc because the IC Disc over the years has been attacked, you know, via mm. proposed legislation multiple times, Brian and I and others have been involved in saving the desk and working with senators and, and congressmen and getting people educated around the benefits to, you know, small, mid-sized, privately held exporters, exporters. And I think that's one of the really big benefits is that collaboration on, on you know, trying to really get that message and the value across. No, that's, that, that's a great point. And, you know, I think Jim, uh, is being a little modest there. I mean, Jim and another person, I think, actually educated one of the the staff of one of the senators that was that became a champion of the IC disc in 2017. Because frankly, the folks in Washington just didn't even understand what the heck an IC disc was and who had benefited them and, and why. And Jim took the lead on educating the staff of the senator, and the senator ended up being a champion. So that that's feather in your cap, Jim, and you should not be so modest about that. Thanks. <laughs> that is great. Well, with that, why don't we why don't we wrap up another great episode of uh, the IC Disc Show? And so again, Jim Fury and Brian Schwam, I really appreciate you guys making time to be on the show. It was really fun. That's great. Thanks, Dave. Oh, thanks, thanks for, for having, having us, Dave. There we have it. Another great episode. Thanks for listening in. If you want to continue the conversation, go to icdiscshow.com, that's ic-disc, 
SHOW.com. And we have additional information on the podcast, archived episodes, as well as a button to be a guest. So if you'd like to be a guest, go select that and fill out the information. And we'd love to have you on the show. So that's it. We'll be back next time with another episode of the IC Disc Show.